Welcome to the Maximus Podcast. We're your host, Joe Sabula, Bobby Maximus. Uh, today we're sponsored by ourselves. You're going to go to themaximuspodcast.com. You're going to take your fat, greasy little fingers. You're going to get on your phone or your other telecommunicative electronic device. You're going to go there again, themaximuspodcast.com, and you're going to sign up. And what are you signing up for? It's a seven-day free trial. No gimmicks, no credit cards, no bullshit. We ain't trying to trick you. You're going to get seven days of the best workouts on the planet. Uh, workouts that helped Joe and I become uh, two of the fittest humans to ever walk the planet of the earth. You're going to get access to us one-on-one uh, for coaching, nutrition advice. And coincidentally, because we've got a member of our community on board today, Megan Berg, uh, she's our very special guest. And we'll get to that in a minute. You'll also have access to wonderful people like Megan and an incredible community of like-minded people. So without further ado, uh, Megan Berg, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell people what's up with you? Well, I'm Megan. Hi, I am a yoga teacher and a yoga manager. Um, and I've been teaching yoga for how long? I'm in my 19th year of teaching yoga. 20, 20 years. It'll be 20 wow. years this year. And I teach varying formats. Um, vinyasa flow is, is my typical style, uh, but I do teach other ones that are less rigorous. And I am also a personal trainer and I like to lift the weights and do the yoga. I like to do it all. And that's it. That's Megan in a nutshell. Tune in next week. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Megan, I got questions. Hopefully you have answers. I hope so. So I'm kind of an ignorant guy, to be honest with you. I'm 42 years old. I was a wrestler. Uh, I grew up watching WWE. Like, I like hard things. I like big-ass weights. I like fast cars. Uh, I, I like guns and explosives. You know how it is. I've always kind of had this thing about yoga where, why would, it, why would I do that? That's, like, not going to help me. Can you tell me a couple of reasons why yoga would help uh, high-level athletes? Absolutely. Um, yoga, it's hard. It's not just a stretching class. It's more than that. It's very challenging. It's very athletic. Um, it also, it teaches you, especially doing lifting heavy weights and doing some of that hardcore stuff. It teaches you to be mindful when you're doing that and also be present so that you don't get hurt and that you are still able to be limber enough to continue on doing all the other hard things that you like to do. Okay. So I'm, I'm kind of sold on this because I hear it's going to help me and I hear it's going to help me in two ways, physically and psychologically. Mm -hmm. So let's, let's address physically first, because I'll tell you my experience with yoga. I train a bunch of professional athletes and at some point, every single one of them has said, I need to get into yoga for flexibility. How, would somebody incorporate yoga into the routine? Because if we're talking the differences between, you know, different yogas, you can go to a session that's relaxing. You can also go to a power yoga session or a, I'm not talking like Hollywood Bikram session, like a real Bikram session. That's frankly crushingly hard. So mm -hmm. how would you as a coach, both, how would you incorporate yoga into like a well-rounded workout program? I would probably start out doing it for less time. And then especially for someone who is an athlete, they probably need the restorative side because they're working really hard and training on other things. So even if, a, let's say a yin 
class is the opposite of the rigor of training and you use gravity to pull you down and you hold postures longer, but you're not engaging your muscles. It actually helps your body heal and it will help um, keep the fascia soft and keep your muscles. It will help with the recovery, much like when you're sleeping. It's, it's the closest thing to a meditation. So I would start with something like that to add in recovery and also be the opposite of all the the um, the hardcore training. It will actually bring in more mindfulness and healing to the body where they can actually be, recover quicker. That's a, that's a great answer because that speaks exactly to my current experience because I started taking your class online and the first session I showed up for, like I was, I was in rough shape before the class started to be fair. And I made it, I don't know, what did I say? 10, 15 minutes in. Mm -hmm. And that was like enough. I was like, okay, I really just, I can't anymore. I'm just neurologically fried. This is moving like way too fast. I'm not relaxing. It stopped being fun. And the, the whole time in the class, I mean, yes, it's online. So it's not like you're talking to me directly, but I know you fairly well. So you and I have history. So I'd like to pretend you actually are talking to me. Um, but you, you kept saying that of like, you do this at your own pace. You, you know, nobody wins yoga. You know, you're here to work to where you need to work. And I felt like I hit that point. And so I was just like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this for now. That was great. It was fun. And I stopped. And here, the next class I show up and at the point where I was ready to quit, you know, a week ago, I was just getting into it. And so I, I ended up doing like double the time. And so I love the way that you answered that of saying you start with like less time and you don't put a lot of pressure on and you start working it in and you figure out like, how hard do you, do you need to go? You know, do you, do you want to push yourself and, and, and make like a whole nother workout out of it? Uh, or maybe, you know, you start off doing, like you said, more of like the yin meditative stuff and it feels really good for a while. And then after a while, like, you know, it, it becomes part of who you are and part of your practice. And then you start maybe venturing out and trying some other things and seeing how that affects the whole. Exactly. It's a process and it's a training. Um, I know when, in our, our uh, chats during the, uh, our workouts and whatnot, the, the community chat with the ladder app, um, I probably sound very extra because I do my yoga and then I do the burpees and do the workout and do something else, but I didn't get there overnight. And yeah. just like, you guys didn't get to where you're at overnight either. It's, it's over time. And so, yes, it definitely, you start small and then you just work your way into adding it in. Well, and, and with anything new, Megan, it can be difficult regardless of how easy or difficult it really is. Like once you acclimatize, you're better at it. Mm -hmm. I remember I had an experience where I went to a power yoga class and it was Joe the day before I'd done a ton of overhead squats. And then it was like, I had to hold a chair post forever. I had to hold dog word down forever. I had to like, it was just constant. There was a five minute plank at the end of the class. And it was like, my shoulders can't take this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I'm just not used to doing it. The other thing is I'm used to tensing everything up. I'm not used to relaxing and getting mm -hmm. in the position. So, uh, you know, it's, it's funny, Megan, like you can see some people that plank for five minutes and they do the thing where they just stack their bones up and kind of hang on and it's easy. Other people, when they plank, they tighten their glutes, they tighten their abs, they tighten their obliques, they suck their breath in, they tighten their quads. And it's like, it's really hard to hold a 30 second plank, let alone a yeah. five minute one. So depending how you do it, you can also, I mean, get your money's worth. I'll tell you that. Totally. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I, I like something you said there, Bobby, too, about like learning how to relax. 
because I know it, it, when I was doing CrossFit all the time, you know, one of the ways that I was able to get through, like, especially the really long ones, like you're doing a Murph or something where, you know, you're running a mile, doing hundred pull-ups, 200 push-ups, 300 squats and running a mile with a vest on. Like, you're not going to get through that if you're tense the whole time. Like you have to balance the, the energy and the recovery within that workout. And something like, like, it, like if you're like me and Bobby, we're very, very, you know, Yang athletes. Like we like to go, we were both fighters. You know, we were both in, in really hard style, like martial arts type stuff until you learn how to relax. Like you, you, you don't have any endurance at all. You can't continue a fight past a certain point because you just burn out. But when you can learn to like relax, let the tension out, then you realize what you're actually doing is like letting the oxygen back in, you know, you're letting the blood out of the muscles and then fresh, clean blood back in and, and you can actually recover and do more. Yeah. And it's interesting. You say that Joe, because if you watch professional athletes, it's funny. You watch a guy in the tour de France, they're riding a bike 28 miles an hour, but they look relaxed doing yeah. it. Yeah. We've you talked about that back, that back in the old uh, Jim Jones days, we were at a, a, one of the advanced seminars talking about the two K row. And like all the people who failed the 2K row had this like screwed up face on, you know, they were really like, like there was just tension in their face and all the people who crushed that standard and hit that. Uh, I think we were, we were all shooting for sub 650 and everybody who hit it looked like, you know, they might as well have been riding a bike through yeah. the Italian countryside. But that's like how all, the, all, yeah, all the, all the effort was in the rowing, not in the screwing up your face because they'd learned like, okay, if I'm going to get through this, I got to put everything I got into that one motion. There's actually a thing you'll see when you see marathon runners running, they look like they've got this fake smile on and their face is super relaxed Yeah, and their hands are super relaxed. There's like a saying, like hold butterflies or potato chips. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if your hands are relaxed and your face is relaxed, the rest of your body will relax. And what I tell people to do, Megan, it's funny as an experiment is clench your fist in your teeth as hard as you can and like make a noise in 10 seconds. You're completely out of breath because <laughs> everything's tense. Like, yeah. or Joe, if you go back to the bodybuilding days, like flexing in the mirror is hard. Yeah. Doing posing. And well, stuff. We, we, yeah. We've talked about this, even just doing a photo shoot where you like have to pose in front of a camera, snap a picture, change poses. Like that is draining. That is hard. surprisingly difficult. So I'm assuming yoga can help me a lot in that regard. Now let's talk about the mindfulness, Megan, where can yoga help me with that? It's very helpful with mindfulness. Uh, yoga teaches you to be more present and then also more compassionate for yourself. And yes, yeah, so I think all of us are our own worst critics and we're really hard on ourselves and expect more than, than we should. And it teaches you to be okay with not getting everything done that day. It, the work is never done. There's always something new to learn. There's always work to do just like life. So it just teaches you to breathe through it all too. Yoga first and foremost is a breathing class versus a movement, but the movement is secondary. So if you can breathe through it all, you can do yoga. If you can breathe through whatever your situation that you're going through in life, it's going to be a game changer. I like that. Now, where did you learn to do this? Because I assume as well with yoga and I, 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 a yoga instructor or a yoga coach, if you will, where did you learn to do all this? Because I imagine all yoga instructors are not created equally. Like yeah. you could have a great one and a not a great one. Um, much of it is through, I mean, I've been doing it for so long. Much of it's through my own self-discovery and what I've learned from my own personal practice. Um, but I have, I've been through more than one 200-hour um, teacher training. And I've been through a lot of workshops with varying different um, yoga leaders, I guess, in the world. And anytime there's an opportunity for me to be a student, I'm going to take it. So 
so that I can learn more and then learn more about myself along the way and then pay it forward. So it's from a multitude of places of where, how I became my, my way of teaching, I guess. That's super so you're doing training because what, what I'm hearing here is that the practice of yoga teaches you to learn how to listen to yourself. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, you know, to be more compassionate to yourself and to understand there's always more work to do. There's always more to learn, more, more to do. And then just as a yogi, actually applying what you're learning in a daily practice to a career and mm-hmm. saying, you know what, career wise, I've never like arrived. I've never mastered this thing. I'm always going to be a student of this thing. I've always adopted the philosophy that if you feel like you've learned everything you need to learn and there's nothing else to learn, it's probably time to do something else. Yeah. So being a student first and foremost, no matter what field you're in or no matter what you're doing in life, it will keep you growing and it will keep you evolving and relevant. Well, and I, I like the idea that this gives you a daily practice that's very, very practical towards that kind of esoteric, hard to grasp thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you're just practicing, you know, holding a pose or, or going through a flow and, and the whole time you're very uh, internally aware that that practice now becomes part of how you interact with the external world. Yeah. So if you're, if you're missing that, that ability to be compassionate with yourself, the ability to, to, you know, relax and understand you don't have to do everything a hundred percent, a hundred percent of the time, like it allows you to actually enjoy the process a little bit more. So I, it's just like if you were just doing pushups every day, eventually you get really good at pushups. If you practice, you know, listening to your body and, and being compassionate with yourself, then you start listening to your body and being compassionate with yourself in all areas. Exactly. And then even if you do pushups every day and maybe one of those days isn't your day for doing pushups, it just didn't feel good. It was a struggle mentally, but you can learn a lot about yourself during that time and then mm-hmm. apply what you learned for the next time and yeah. then see what happens. And it also makes you and helps you appreciate the good days. Yeah. And you get, you get good at picking yourself up too, because now you're not seeing it as a failure. You're yep. seeing it as an opportunity to say, well, okay, last time I was in this place, here's what I tried and it didn't work. So maybe today I'm trying something else. Like, oh, I actually feel better about it now. Then the next time you've learned something and, and you get better and better at picking yourself up. Exactly. You fall seven times, get up eight. That's right. Only seven though. <laughs> <laughs> Anything after that, you got a, you got a problem. Exactly. Again, I'm, I'm curious, how, how did you get started in yoga? Like where was, where does your journey begin with this? Oh my goodness. It was in 1999 and a friend, a, a fellow fitness friend invited me to a class and I was like, Hmm, I've heard of yoga. Yeah, I'll try it. And so I went and I did not know what I was doing per usual for most people whose first whose experience is the first yoga class. They're speaking a language I didn't understand, but I, I stuck through it and I didn't like it. I'm like, I don't know if I'll go back. But then all of a sudden, a week later, my friend invited me again. I'm like, okay, I'll go back. And I just kept going. Then I got invested. I'm like, I'm going to keep yeah. going back until I like it. And I had one day where it, it clicked and I learned something about myself and I learned how to, to sync my breath with my movement. And that was, I think was the hardest thing to sync. And then it just clicked I'm like, Ooh, I love this. And then I've just been doing it ever since. So that's how it started. A friend dragged me to class. It's, it seems to be the usual uh, entry yep. point. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's intimidating because it is, I mean, it's becoming more mainstream mm. now and it's becoming more popular, but 
I think anytime you go into something new, it's very intimidating and scary, and especially going into a yoga class because your perception of what it, it could be or couldn't be. Um, knowing, uh, knowing that every single person that's in a class, if, if you're in a personal live class or even online, um, everyone's had their first class. So they know exactly what someone who's, who's there for the first time has gone through and they lend a hand. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. another cool part. Yoga, there's a lot of community around it. Just like, just like in other areas of fitness, there's, there's community around a commonality. Yeah. There's an assumption, especially because I think yoga is very unique you know, it, it very much, it does have its own language. It does have its own culture and people feel very outsider when they mm-hmm. come in, but that's not that different than like a powerlifting gym. Powerlifters have their own culture, their own language, you know, CrossFitters are like a cult that you need to get into. So I think anything, you know, anything has that level of, you just have to be comfortable enough with yourself to step in, in the first place. It's got to start. Yeah. We all start somewhere. And when we start, you're never really good at it until you keep working on it with anything. Yeah, very true. What about the, uh, the, the exercise end of things? Now you mentioned you already kind of had a fitness friend. What, what was your drive to get into, you know, personal training and fitness just in general? Oh, that's an interesting story. So I graduated college with an advertising and marketing degree and English, and I went into advertising and marketing. And I, I, whenever I did visualizing exercises, it was just a black hole. Like this is blank. This doesn't seem right. And I, my heart just didn't feel like I had a future in it. And every day I went to work and it didn't feel purposeful to me and realized I was not doing the right thing. Like, Oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? And this was, I was 23. So right before my quarter life crisis and decided to quit. So I quit my job and I didn't have a plan, but I'm like, I'll figure it out. And so it took a couple of years, but things kept going. My passion kept going back to fitness. And so I, um, I had some friends who taught group fitness. And so I mm-hmm. took some classes and I thought that was fun. One, because I had accountability and two, they planned the workouts and I didn't have to think about it. And I just would go and just do my workout and then make friends essentially. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into one of my friends just chose to mentor me. And I, um, ended up going back to school and I got my degree in health and exercise science. Cause I decided that this is what I'm going to seriously do. And I wanted to learn about the body and the anatomy and how it functioned and worked. And then, um, it kind of sprang from there. So when I graduated, I ended up doing corporate fitness and, and running a corporate fitness and wellness program at a corporation. And that's when I began personal training. I, I went through and got my NASM cert. I was already prepared for, with my degree And then I taught classes as well and then started a yoga program. So during that time, I did get my first 200 hour and started a yoga program. And that was very interesting at the time. I got a lot of hate mail through interoffice mail because people didn't know what yoga was. So that's in a nutshell how it started. And here we are. (laughs) Here we are today. (laughs) Well, and and you and I met through uh, a competition. So our, our mutual friend, Jane, Jane Erbacher, she was running, what was the name of it? Skitober. Yes. And, and you had, you had just moved to the cities. Am I right about that? Yep. A couple yeah. months before or a couple weeks before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Jane was just like, guess what? The two of you are going to be partners for this, you know, online partner workout thing. And so you started coming to my gym once a week just to do the workouts. Mm-hmm. And then interestingly, that, that was the same, like it was that month 
that I sold the gym and never went back. And so we started going over to, uh, it was lifetime fitness is where we were meeting to do the workouts. Cause they had skiers. And so we, I mean, our whole friendship was just like, congratulations, you guys are competing together. And that was just sort of like, yeah, it just felt right. This is, this is where we need to be right now. Exactly. Been, that was so yeah, fun. It was super I fun. I, I kind of want to do that again, but I don't have a skier anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know where some are. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess I don't have any excuses now. You know, when the gyms were closed, it was really frustrating. Yeah. Like, Man, I wish I had a skier because she did do another competition when everything was shut down. And it was like, well, I guess it's okay for people who happen to have a skier in their garage, but the wait list on those things was forever. Uh, but I will tell you, you know, I, I've always said when, when you're in a competition with people, that's like, you, you see who they really are. You know, you see how hard they're willing to work, how hard they're willing to work for you. Uh, and so I think that was actually a really good way to make an acquaintance of just like, hi, I'm here to, you know, to wreck shit. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's throw down. And we did. And, and I mean, those are some of the funnest memories I had at that location, to be honest with that you. That was fun. Yeah. I remember going in there and I didn't know if I was in the right place. I'm like, is this the right place? And then yeah. if you, you looked like you knew who I was. So I'm like, okay, this is, I'm here. That yep. was fun. It's a good time. And here's a my skier. And of course I had, I had like the old skier, not even like the new ones. <laughs> That's all right. It still worked and it functioned very well. Yeah. We got it done. Mm -hmm. We kicked ass. It was good. We did. Yeah. And then you, you talked me into to jump and ship and going to work over there. So I worked with you guys for a while, which is great. And then, of course, COVID hit. And now here we are. Exactly. So, Megan, I do have a question for you. You're obviously really fit. I can't remember your score on Death by Burpees, but it was stupid. It's like 70, 70 something, 72. Yeah. yeah. Your your score on Death by Pushups was, again, stupid. You do <laughs> all this. You do all this yoga. Um, what's kind of like, how does a person like you progress? Like, what do you need to do to get outside your comfort zone or push yourself? Um, I think it's a continual practice. Those, those death by burpees in the test days are probably some stronger things for me because I have the mental practice and, and I go into it. I meditate before then. So I'm, mm -hmm. I'm present. Um, but big challenges for me, I would say are like the sprints. So mm -hmm. to have me do a 2k row or ski, that's really hard for me. It's very hard for me mentally and also physically. Um, I don't know why it's hard for me to create a strategy around it. Like I can mm -hmm. with air squats, I can pick a number and I know what to get. Um, but I think just continually for me to continually push myself, lift a heavier weight and do something that makes me uncomfortable. That's how I, I find progression. <laughs> yeah. Cause you, you and I are definitely like two ends of a spectrum. Yeah. Like you're, you're this tiny little person who like burpees are just like, that's just how you get around. You know, you get to work in the morning by doing like burpee miles. It's just like, it's not even difficult. And for me, it's, you know, big deadlifts and heavy squats. But th I think that's why we paired up really well on the, the skier challenge too, is because we, we could cover both ends of that spectrum. You know, where I was weak, you were strong and where, where you were weak, I was strong. But I also think that's why you can get like 680 squats in 10 minutes. And I just, I can barely break 300 because I have to move like three feet further than you do. My little leggies. <laughs> well, uh, we, we, we got you in onto team Maximus. Um, and I know it's been, it's been really important to you. Can you talk a little bit about what it is about that team and those people that has been so beneficial for you? Yeah, you, you guys created Team Maximus um, at a time when I, 
I was in a funk. And I think we all get in those time, those times where you're in a funk and you're just trying to move forward or to learn about it. And, and then um, the sense of community with it has been a game changer. Cause now I know that there's people who on out there in the community, wherever they're at, they know that I'm going to be um, a part of doing these workouts, but if I'm not posting, they're going to follow up. There's, mm-hmm. there's an accountability. And then also there's just, there's a good sense of humor with everybody and everyone just works. They do their best. It may not be their best day that day, but they still do their best and they give everything they have every single day. And to be a part of a group that does that, it, it motivates me to do my best as well. So what, what do you think it is about our program? Because Bobby and I have always said, there's no magic in the workouts. You know, we're just, we're just picking stuff up, putting it down. We're just moving weight. And, and obviously we're, we're very body weight focused on here, but what do you think it is about that, that community, about that app, the way that it's put together, there's some magic there. And I've never quite put my finger on it. What do you think? There definitely is magic. I think it's, I think like what you said there, that the workouts, they're not complicated or overly complicated. They're pretty simple, but they're effective. And to give the way that you both coach through it, you say the right things at the right time. And it resonates just like as, as Joe, as you said, when I was teaching yoga, as if I was speaking to you, I was, cause I knew you were out there, but, <laughs> but the way you guys speak in a way that it resonates with every single person and that we learn like, okay, they're talking to me about that. I can give a little bit more. They just said, do your best or let's go Mm. or don't do anything stupid. And I do an air back more weight. (laughs) Which for the record, I do say stuff like that in the app. (laughs) Like, Let's be smart (laughs) now, folks. (laughs) There's, There's times though where I'm doing the workouts and I'm physically just beat up. And then one of you says something really funny and I start laughing out loud and like, okay, we're all human and we're in this together. I think there's just that, that sense of being in something together, even if we're physically not together, that makes it unique. Yeah. And, and you've, okay. you've, you've already in the short time that we've been, been running the program, you've already achieved a certain level of legendary status, which I think is phenomenal. I did not expect that. I mean, I wasn't thinking, oh, we're going to get Megan in this app. And then the next thing you know, everybody's going to know who she is. But what what advice would you give uh, to to the people in the app specifically, the people who are following that program and, and doing those kind of workouts? Uh, the biggest advice I would say is just as I said in the beginning, just be compassionate with yourself and know that not every day is going to be the greatest day, and that it takes time to build strength and to build stamina. And it doesn't, it's not a switch that you turn on. So fit things, if you feel discouraged, don't give up, keep going, keep moving forward and lean on the community that's there to help, help encourage you and to keep you accountable and to keep you moving forward. I like that. Forward is forward. It's not linear. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then what specifically about if, if, because we know the workouts in the app, they're hard. And, and I would say they're destructive. I mean, they're, they're meant to be, you know, they're short. We're, we're talking, you know, 30 minute workouts most days from, from soup to nuts. What would you add in, especially from your, your yoga perspective? Joe, I do need to interrupt you for one second though. What's that? They can be hard or they can be easy because most of them are designed around time. So that's, you can take it on your own pace. That's so very true. Let, let me, let me give you an example with this 10 minute air squat test. If you're a normal person, you've never worked out before, you might go for 50. Mm-hmm. You might go for 75. Hell, you might even get 200 on a good day. If you're a person with uh, 
sociopathic tendencies and deeply seated emotional issues uh, like Megan, who got six hundred and like eighty. Well, then, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really hard. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and again, to be fair, we we also do program in like active recovery, so not every workout is designed to crush your soul, but you do take it at your own pace. But I still put the question to Megan of like, what what would you? I guess if I could talk, think about it from the yoga perspective, like. Is there a particular practice or a certain level of self-care that you think people who are doing these kinds of workouts should be aware of? I think so. I think um, the programming has been awesome. I do. And I love bringing in the active recovery. I think people are skewed by what that might mean, um, mm -hmm. or it may sound confusing because you're still working. Um, I think th the big thing is just to just remember the mindfulness around it all, too, because Yes, I know that I have a crazy 10 minute air squat test, but, um, and yeah, I might be extra, but it, I wouldn't be able to achieve that without, without being mindful. And I think bringing in some mindfulness and also the mobility part, which Joe, you put in some, some, um, a couple of videos about some mobility exercises to do at the end of a workout. I think it's helpful, especially because most people are going to want to push themselves or they push themselves in their way. And, and can get beat up in the workouts. Not a bad thing. I think it's good because that's how you transform. But yeah. it bringing in some mobility so that that their joints can get some grace would would be nice too. I, I like that you said that because one of my I, I don't know if it's a frustration per se, but one of the reasons I think I hesitate to do more of that specifically is because individual people have different individual needs, and I don't want to do like a mass prescription for everybody in the group. You know, it's like, okay, everybody needs shoulder mobility. Well, that's probably a true statement, but I don't know that everybody needs to make that their practice. Mm -hmm. And so I, it, it's hard for me to say like, you know, here's what I want everybody to do. It's much yeah. easier when we have the, the, the one-on-one -on -one chats with people, or I can say, well, it sounds to me like you need to work on this. You need to work on that. And then I can send them those individualized stuff. Um, but from the group as a whole, it's, it's hard. It's like, there's so many different moving parts and so many different needs that need to be addressed. And when you're addressing an entire group of people, like you're basically addressing the average problems and a lot of people's specific problems end up going untreated or un, undealt with. Uh, so, I, I mean, you know, when nine people ask me for overhead mobility stuff, it makes sense. I'll throw something in on overhead mobility, but I'd like to do more. I think it would be nice to get even other perspectives of that um, and, and have. I, I've been calling it our mobility minute, but I've been I don't think I even posted last week. Now that I think about it, I need to do that because I, I do think, think that's important. I do like the idea of breadcrumbing it in because you're right. It's not everybody might need that, mm -hmm. but it's going to it's going to resonate with, with a handful of people and you don't want to necessarily force things on everybody. We, we all know why we're, we're, we have our own goals. We have our own things that we're working through. So I think breadcrumbing it in like that, it's, hmm. it's more effective versus trying to force it. Like you said. Well, and, and I like the idea that people try different things, even if they don't think they need it. Cause you never know. You're like, Oh, I tried that. And it didn't feel like it did anything. Okay. It's probably not what you need, but you might be like, yeah, I tried it. And the next thing I knew it changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> like all my back pain went away. Well, all right. Well, then we hit the nail on the head. Good job. Like that saying goes, have you ever stretched and you feel like you pulled your whole life together? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that, but I like it. I've been there. <laughs> it all makes sense now. I'm enlightened. <laughs> the other thing with that, Joe, too, is as long as you have a good coach or a good program, 
I don't think there's such a thing as bad movement. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, like if your form's terrible, fine, but a little extra mobility certainly didn't hurt anybody. A little bit extra yoga certainly didn't hurt anybody. A little bit of extra air squats, not 687, but a little bit of extra air squats or a little bit of extra push-ups never hurt anybody. Like no one in the face on the face of the earth said, man, I don't want more strength. I don't want mm-hmm. more cardiovascular fitness. I don't want more mobility. I don't want more flexibility. Like yeah. the most part, any of these things will help you. Well, I just, I, now I imagine somebody like walking into a personal training studio and they're like, well, you know, what are your goals? Well, gosh, I am way too strong and way too flexible. I need to be stiffer and weaker. Yeah. You know, like when you think about it from that extreme, it's kind of ridiculous. I look too good. It's, it's ruining my life. <laughs> and the other thing with that is by the way, you can't take the, cause I was just thinking of the exceptions to that rule, Joe, mm-hmm. you can't look at the world-class power lifter who really doesn't want to get, you know, get more flexible and say, that's mm-hmm. me. Because by the way, you're not the person who uh, deadlifts a thousand pounds. It, it yeah. goes back to that saying, you know, I've, I've had people ask me in a seminar. I was actually really rude to a person once they said, well, I don't warm up because lions don't warm up in the wild. I'm like, you're not a fucking lion. Like, you just can't, you know, pick the one thing that you know, guys, but for, for almost all people, even high level professional athletes, they need a little bit more of all this stuff. Well, and I think the, the more you do, absolutely. And, and, you know, we talk about it all the time as, as, you know, taking money out of your fitness account, like you have to balance that account. If all you do is crush workouts day in and day out, eventually you're just going to grind yourself down. So you, you have to find a way to recuperate, to, to recover, to, to, you know, get your body back to the point where it can train again. And, and when you look at every really high level training program across the world, and I don't care whether it's, you know, West side barbell type stuff, um, a, a good, you know, like Olympic style gymnastics program, like all of that stuff is built in there. Like all the tactics that they have, have to do with balancing that equation and saying, well, the only way we're going to get stronger, get fitter, get more competitive or better at what we're doing is by doing more. And the only way we're going to do more is if we can undo some of the damage that we've done along the way. And so I feel like there's a definite need for balance. But the other thing you just pointed out, Bobby, is like, we're not all, you know, on the cutting edge of fitness in our particular field. You know, some of us are just dudes that are working out because we like working out and we want to look good with our shirt off. Well, you know, and that's, and, yeah, Joe, I was just going to say that's true for seemingly really high level people. Yeah. Like I've worked with some of the best CrossFitters on the planet. They have areas that they can improve. Mm-hmm. I've worked with some of the fittest people on the planet in men's health. They have areas where they can improve. Like you and I have interviewed some extremely fit people, you know, uh, actually speaking to one, Bobby Lashley, I got to drop his name because he is now the WWE heavyweight champion of the world, uh, which is exciting. He's been a friend for years, but like, if you guys look up Bobby Lashley, it's basically God was bored one day, took like a chunk of granite and a titanium chisel, <laughs> and like something on the earth. That's just stronger than everybody else, faster than everybody else. And we're talking a guy who's six foot three, 250 pounds and does backflips and walks on his hands and, and, mm-hmm got to 20 on death by pull-ups once. And I'm like, I have no idea how I'm supposed to deal with this person, but he's come into my gym and, and, and we talked and he, he, he's done some of the programs on the Maximus body, but even him who's, you know, at the top physical level on the mm-hmm. planet, Joe, he's got areas he needs to work on. Yeah. Like no one is, is above this stuff. I mean, unless you're really, I guess 
number one in the world. But yeah. even if you, even if you are, and you look at LeBron James, who, you know, you can make the argument greatest athlete in the last 20 years, like just in terms of mm-hmm. jumping, sprinting, physique, strength, the whole deal. I see him all the time working on mobility stuff. I see him all the time doing shoulder balancing stuff. I see him all the time doing single leg stuff. Like there's stuff everybody needs to work on. Well, I wonder how much of that is because they're on some, you know, cutting edge. They're trying to get that extra sliver of performance because when I, th- I think on the other end of the scale, how many people I know that are walking around like just completely broken and just think that's how you're supposed to feel. You know, low back pain is like the most common complaint that people have. And people just assume, well, as you age, your back just starts to hurt. You know what I mean? It's like, that's not true. It shouldn't. You can address that. There are things you can do, but they just, they get so numb to the pain. They get so numb to those aches and those, those, you know, dysfunctions and they never address them anyway. Yeah. You know, Megan, maybe you can speak to this, especially dealing with people who are first taking up yoga. Do, do you ever have people get to that moment where all of a sudden they open their eyes and realize they've been hurting for a long time? Oh yeah. I've seen it. I've witnessed it. And it's interesting. Many people, when they come to yoga, they don't, they, they, most people, when they begin yoga, even me, it's more of a, for the physical, for the, mm-hmm. for the postures and the movement. And then they, all of a sudden their teacher triggers some sort of something, whether it's taking them into a posture or saying something that really hits them and hits, hits a nerve, not necessarily in a bad way, but it triggers some sort of emotion. And then they end up having some sort of breakthrough aha moment and realize, oh my gosh, I've been holding this in. It's been causing me pain in my shoulders. A lot of people carry tension and stress in their shoulders. So when they start to give themselves permission to release it and to really understand why they're feeling a certain way, it starts to release and they don't feel that tension anymore. And then they realize, oh my gosh, I've been, I've been in pain for years. But a lot of times if someone's hurting or there's an imbalance physically or even mentally, we suppress a lot of stuff. It yeah. takes just as long to um, work through it as it has to build it. So it's, it's not, again, it's not a switch, but it, it doesn't happen overnight. But yeah, an aha moment is usually the start for someone to recover in some sort of way or heal. Yeah, I like, yeah, that's a good way to put that. I love that, Megan. Well, and I think too, just, I mean, even, you know, when I was running my gym, you know, there were moments when people are like, oh yeah, I'm I'm here because I'm supposed to do exercise. Mm -hmm. And then eventually they realize like they're there because of something that they have unresolved in their life. And this is giving them the tools to deal with it. Yep. You know, it's not, it's not like I'm here because this fixed my problem. It's I'm here because I feel like I'm getting somewhere with this problem. I feel like, like what I just said, I'm getting the tools and I'm learning how to use them so that I can deal with X, Y, or Z. And it's going to make my life better. It's going to make me better. Exactly. And when you work on yourself and you become a better person for yourself, you're a better person for those that you love and that you're around. Yeah. You yeah. show up for them differently and you show up for yourself differently. And And I think, I think people need to sit with that thought right there because that's a, that's a tough one, especially if you're a very giving person to to assume like, well, I can give to everyone except myself. So I feel that. And it's not selfish to give to yourself at all. It's necessary. Otherwise you're, you're, it's just like if you're overtraining or doing too much of one thing and you start to feel imbalanced, it's the same way. It's the same thing, even if it's not physical. This is getting some deep stuff, guys. I think we need to bring some levity back into this somehow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up like in tears at the end of this podcast. I'm going to be like, oh, Megan, thank you so much for coming on. My life is, is better now. 
<laughs> and uh, you just had an awakening. <laughs> <laughs> Is this what we were talking about? Yeah, exactly what we were talking about. Making a quick question for you. I got two kids. You say you're extra. I got a couple kids here. Um, one of them in particular uh, named Babu. We call him can't stop, won't stop. Is there like yoga for kids to get them to calm down? There is yoga for kids. Um, there's, there's some online programs and then there's also um, now, I mean, there's live stream and online programs everywhere and even on demand, but it's definitely very beneficial. One, it, I used to teach to, um, I, I would have some families that I would teach to with, with young kids and it helped them with their concentration and it helped them um, be less distracted. And so for, for kids that are busy, that and kids are, are energetic in general, most of them are, it, it helps them stay focused. And it's also great for those that have ADHD and mm -hmm. other types of um mental things going or even mental health it helps with that over overall and it helps just keep people focused and present and and can stay present to whatever task they're doing without the squirrel mentality yeah well and, and again it's a practice you know it's like you don't show up on day one and just learn how to be still you know you learn how to listen you learn how to self-regulate you know, martial arts achieves you know the similar thing of like you practice standing at attention. You practice looking your instructor in the eye and eventually you're doing it to your teacher and to your boss and, you know, to other important people in your life. So I think that's really good. I was, I was trying to think, I was just doing a quick search here because I know my daughter has watched this show, um, cosmic kids yoga. And it's, it's like a kid's show that you would find on like, I don't know, PBS or something. And the lady does yoga with them. And I watch an episode. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> this is like, I think more people need to do that stuff. So I know there's tons of stuff out there. Like you mentioned, a lot of online resources for people, especially dealing with kids. My question for you right now, Megan, is let's say you've never, you did yoga is not my thing. You know, I like, I like my, I like my warm beer and my cigarettes and I hate yoga, but now I'm interested because of, you know, this conversation and how wonderful this podcast is. Uh, where would somebody start if they had no idea like what it entailed. Maybe the only thing they know is the word yoga. Where would you point them? How would you make sure that they were getting into a, you know, a good program and not being, you know, waylaid into some kind of a bizarre cult? <laughs> um, that's, that's a, a really good question. I would say the best place to start would just be doing some research and find out places that are local or even online that offer yoga. There are many, um, online programs there's many on-demand programs there's there's so many different teachers that have their own youtube channels so there's a lot i would i would just be open to trying a bunch of different teachers and different styles until you find the right one is yoga is very personal mm -hmm. and it's like i know i'm not for everybody but i am for somebody and so it's and most yoga teachers understand that and and want to help and everybody find their best fit. So I've had people come to my class and, and they did not like it. And so then I would, I would help them try to find a fit for them. Mm. Um, granted live resources aren't always there, but um, 
I would just say, be open to trying a bunch of different styles and then plan on not liking it at first. And then going from there <laughs> and then doing what you can, you don't have to stick it, stick it and power through a whole class. I, I, I have to, I have to chuckle. Cause again, you're speaking to my personal experience. Cause I resisted yoga for the longest time until and even, even once you and I were friends, I'm just like, I, you know, it's just not my thing. Uh, but I've, I've found that other yoga teachers aren't for me. You're the one for me. You're the one whose class I, I really enjoy. Uh, and again, being patient, you know, uh, what you said, though, is, is I think really, really important is a good yoga teacher is going to help you find where you need to be. They're not going to try to shove you into their class. So if you do go to a teacher and you're like, you know, this is good, but I, I don't know, it doesn't feel right. Like they should help you explore that and give you some resources. I think that would be a really good indication that you found a good place. And then again, being open to trying what they suggest, I think is really, really important. Are there any, any red flags in the yoga world? Like, are there like secret evil yoga things that we need to all be aware of? Um, I don't know if there's red flags, but there is like any industry, there is a lot of ego. So mm. As as you said, Joe, if if there's a teacher that someone takes a class from and they don't resonate with the teacher and that teacher tries to force them to stay in their class, that's probably a red flag because yoga should be about community and there's something for everybody and there's enough to go around. Mm. So um, if if I'm not for somebody, there's going to be someone for that person and then there will be someone else that that I am for. And it should be like that all around. We should all be connected in, in a positive way and make it a positive experience and not a negative. Good. Megan, a uh, question for you and to kind of wrap up. I am a big believer in trusting your instructor mm -hmm. uh, and also going by other people's recommendations. And Joe and I would certainly recommend you. Um, and, and based on like what we know about you, our interactions with you, and also frankly, your work ethic, because nobody works harder. How can somebody find you or get into your online yoga program, uh, program? Because today it's not as simple as just going to a studio, depending where you live. Like if you're in California, New York, you might be locked down. So you've got the online thing going. How do people sign up for that? How do people find you, get a hold of you, all that fun stuff? Um, you can find me on Instagram. I have a very unique Instagram handle. It's Megan Berg. <laughs> with two G's. With two G's. That's how I always remember with two G's. <laughs> two G's. Um, I, I do teach some live stream classes through lifetime. I do have a link that, um, that I can pass along and it's $15 a month, which is actually a really good deal. I, I teach right now. Um, it's central standard time, uh, class at noon. And then also one at 6 45 PM on Mondays, but there's more to come. I also teach for lifetime and they teach at the Egan club in Minnesota and in Edina. And I'm probably teaching, I think 11 or 12 classes a week right now, 11, 11 as of this week. So, um, if in-person doesn't work, there are ways to, to connect online. Yeah. And I will just say from personal experience, the online classes are great. I mean, it's just, it's, it's not that much different than being in person. Honestly, I feel like I'm there. It's fun. It's fun to be able to connect with other people from outside to an extended community. And there are other teachers. So if, if, you find that I'm not a, a, the best fit. Yeah. I can help you find a better fit. And there we have um, yoga classes from across the country and all different yeah. times. Well, and I'll say that is one of the benefits of that online membership is that you're not tied to an instructor or a class. Like you yeah. can try them all out, which is really kind of a cool deal. And they're, they're, uh, they're running throughout the day. They start yeah. at 545 or 530 in the morning and they go until about 
seven at night, seven thirty. I, I do have a, a technical question on that for you. Do you, when, when you're doing the class, can you see like how many people are participating online? I cannot see. I don't know who is there unless <laughs> someone tells me. So if you come and take my class, post about it and I will repost. <laughs> that's a great way to connect community. And yeah. um, this one thing that I really love to do is connect community, even if we're not in the same physical. State. I'm just curious, like if, if it's like 30 million people are doing your online, online class and all of a sudden you're like a stuttering, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> I think if there were that many people in the class, I would hope I would know about it. <laughs> well, that's awesome. And then, of course, you're also accessible in the, uh, the on Team Maximus through the ladder because you are a very, very active and, and very appreciated member of our community. Oh, thank you. And I'm, I am open to helping in any way. And if anybody needs me, you know how to find me on the chat. I will help you. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you, your story. Uh, like I said, you're, I didn't mean to call you a sociopath earlier. I, <laughs> it's, I, not, it's not an inaccuracy. I it's feel not like, a nice way to say it. <laughs> I feel like to get anything over, I'm going to even say 400 on the air squat test, just 10 minutes of air squats. You have to have some real problems, mm-hmm. but you got to be willing to go to a dark place. And I'm not saying you're super crazy, but like, you're definitely in the same like Venn diagrams like Hannibal, uh, the Dr. Laughter guy from the mm-hmm. Lambs thing, or somebody like that, because you this is, this is a problem. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. I mean, it's kind of a compliment. But you, I mean, to be honest, to be honest, Megan, I wouldn't be in a room alone with you now. I'd be fearful. <laughs> I, certainly, I, I certainly would not allow you to have sharp objects or shoelaces. <laughs> That's funny. You know what I mean, Joe? It, it, well, that comes that comes from a place of love. Yes, <laughs> yes I get it. 600 is not normal, Joe. No, but, you know, again, she's kind of a tiny person, so. That's, no, 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 you know. Joe. That's 60 squats. <laughs> for I know. It's like one second. I, if I go as fast as I can, there's no way. Like I would have to bend space time to get 60 reps in it. Yeah, that's some weird shit. There's, there's yeah. you have a problem. I was winded, very winded. <laughs> I'm sweating by the end. <laughs> right again, you guys, Megan Berg, go find her and uh, come find us on the MaximusPodcast.com. Join now and uh, sign up, and all your life dreams will come true. We promise you. Thanks for having me. Because you're the last of a dying breed.